Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So once again, we're joined by the lovely Matt Parker, uh, who's going to be talking to us more about his book, The Radical Enterprise. Hi, Matt. Hi. Thanks for having me back. We're glad to have you. So we better remind our listeners, because some of them might have missed last episode, which is sad. You should go back and listen to it, because Matt's got some fantastic ideas. But uh, Jeffrey, can you remind us what we talked about last time? Yeah, absolutely. So and, and Matt uh, described to us the kind of outline of his book, which is um, the, looking at these uh, 8% of companies that are in the future. <laughs> this is what, how companies will be in the future. If you want to know what they are, they all uh, involved in radical collaboration. And Matt gave us the four imperatives, which were team autonomy, managerial devolution, deficiency gratification, and uh, uh, candid vulnerability. And he gave us kind of a thumbnail version of those. And um, where we, where I thought we would start uh, this week is uh, we whoa, talked. Whoa, 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 Jeffrey! Actually, I have a question. Do you mind if yeah. I come in? Because I've oh, got please. a burning question. Okay. I thought it up since the last episode. Fantastic. And, and what I thought up was the 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 puzzle I've got is is Matt. You talked about oh, these wonderful, fantastic enterprises. Jeffrey and I have been in one that's actually in the book, as we talked about last time. So we know that there's kind of an existence proof. But the thing I've noticed is that most organizations aren't, aren't like that. Uh, and um, so, uh, you know, Scrum is still taking over the world despite all my efforts to, uh, to, to eradicate it. And, um, uh, you know, there's, there's uh, m- many other characteristics that, uh, um, uh, that organizations have, like the, the dominance hierarchy that you talked about. Um, what, what's, what's driving that? And how, how are these organizations um, surviving and growing and thriving if there's so many sociological pressures to, to um, operate in a, um, in a less radical way? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. Okay, so the first thing to know is that over the uh, course of the 2010s, the number of organizations working in a radically collaborative way grew from 3% to 8%, so from like 2010 to 2020, roughly. Um, so they more than doubled in size. Um, and I, I think that's that's not going to stop anytime soon. And as I try to sh- highlight in the book, there are a number of economic benefits um, that these uh, organizations enjoy when compared to their hierarchical competitors, right? They enjoy greater customer satisfaction, greater growth in market share, much faster growth in market share. They're, they're, if there weren't these economic sort of uh, outcomes that were seemingly going, you know, nicely correlating with radical collaboration, you probably wouldn't see it grow because ultimately they are playing in a free market-ish, uh, uh, right? And uh they are ultimately subject to those same market pressures um, and they are living or dying on that market. Um, so the fact that they are experiencing uh, very powerful results in the market makes it possible for them to continue to grow. Now, the other side of it is, you know, it's great to, to have uh, competitive value, but there's just the ideas behind it too that have to continue to grow. And those ideas are going to spread the same way any other ideas do from person to person, uh, by talking to others through podcasts, through books, uh, through stories and experiences at conferences that you hear about, all that kind of stuff. Um, And really, it's just a unit of cultural propagation that we need um, to continue to see flourish through memes, right? Through the ideas behind radical collaboration need to spread from throughout the world and continue to spread. And I think that's... um, Gee, if if only somebody would write a book about it, then (laughs) everybody could read about it. That would really spread the word. Yeah, totally. Well... Here's here's to that. That would be great. 
So, so should we expect um, Google and Facebook and, and Amazon to be displaced by these organizations or to become more radical themselves? Is, is that if, we, if we're going from 3 to 8%, we're eventually going to get to 80%, aren't we? That's my, that's and, and my some hope. Some of these giant organizations will be displaced. Well, that would be, I would be happy about it too. Jeffrey, I'm sorry to interrupt with my question. I just, I was, I was burning and, and urgently have been thinking about it ever since last week's episode. So I <laughs> wanted, wanted to, um, to bring it in. Well, it is. That's great. Actually, I'm glad you brought it up because I did. I did want to cover it in this episode. I didn't uh, talk about it last time, Matt. When you gave the full title of the book, you know, a radical enterprise, and the subtitle, "Pioneering the Future of High Performing Organizations," and that's the point you're making here and you're leading with is to say, look, this is these are better performing organizations. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I that was a really to me a really important. Um, discovery on my part, and not that I did the research to discover it, right? I'm reading the research of uh, people who are like actual professional researchers and organizational uh, researchers. But to to learn that partnership and equality uh, are more competitive than domination and coercion is such an important and powerful message to convey to everyone around the world, right? Because that is the first, I think, um, thing, especially people uh, in business are going to ask, like, yeah, I'd love to do good for people, but I want my company to survive, right? And they're under the mistaken impression that domination and coercion and dominator hierarchies are going to be more effective on the market and more effective for customers than anything else. And they're absolutely wrong. The The, the reality is the exact opposite. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think that's one of the, that's why I start the book with that sort of message because I think you have to start there and then people can then run with it. In in a sense, in, in, in that telling that story, I'm reminded a bit of another book, which is uh, Frederick LaRue's book on reinventing organizations. And he introduces the concept of a teal organization. And and in particular, what he what what I think that what's relevant about this to me is he introduces it as an innovation. He describes that kind of every step of organization has uh, evolved and there's emerged uh, a new innovation in structuring organizations that are better, that bring additional capabilities and additional uh, performance uh, for the people. And, and in that sense, it's, I think it seems very compatible with what you're describing of the, the birth of this set of memes that travel together that actually then build better results. Is yeah. that a fair... Comparison. Yeah, totally. You know, and and um, if I could add one thing about this sort of way of structuring organizations that we're seeing emerge now, this radically collaborative way, in some ways we could say, yes, this is new and emergent. In other ways, you could say, actually, what in many cases, when you look at some of these companies underneath the hood and the way they relate to each other within the company, what you're seeing is a microeconomic expression of a macroeconomic free market principle, right? On a macroeconomic free market, you have a number of agents who, at least in an ideal free market, are uh, uh, both collaborating, competing against each other, trading with each other as equals and with autonomy um, and control over their actions and freedom of both what they're doing and freedom of what they're committing. And I think what a number of companies have started to say was, actually, if that's as powerful as it is, it is, on the world stage, what if we could do something like that inside our company? And so when you look at companies like Hire and the way they've uh, devolved management into thousands of micro enterprises within their company, each of which has a great deal of autonomy, has their own like profit and loss statements, right? And really does in many ways operate 
as uh, a mini company within a larger company. Uh, I think what we're seeing is just the realization of maybe central planning and, uh, uh, you know, like top-down control, just as that didn't work on the global stage, right? We saw a number of companies or a number of uh, countries at the end of the uh, uh, 20th century fall that operated that way. We're seeing a number of companies that operate that way fall now too, right? And it's just pointing back to um, the fact that there is so much synergy between human needs like security, autonomy, fairness, esteem, trust, and belongingness, and actual outcomes that we can accomplish when we work together on that basis of partnership and equality. So I, I love that view, which is because it, it suddenly it kind of subverts what people might be expecting, which is the, you know, oh, we should, uh, um, you know, we're going to have these people doing it. And if you lead with kind of the, the human needs side, it may sound like you're kind of going down the, you know, um, well, this is kind of some fantasy utopia. Uh, and, and now you're saying, oh, look, actually, do you believe in market economies? Do, and if so, why? You know, it, it, which is, it feels like it, it's going to um, cut really against the grain of what people would expect uh, going down this path. So I love that analogy. It's not one I've heard before. So that's, 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 that's fantastic. The idea of the, this radical collaboration is an internal market economy. Yeah, well, I think what's nice about that is, you know, within this sort of space of self-management and radical collaboration, I've literally met everyone on every spectrum, political spectrum you could imagine, right? People all the way on the right and very libertarian in anarchy, all the way on the left and very socialist uh, ideologies. And they're all somehow converging within this one space and finding common ground and, yeah, wanting to, to really run with these ideas. And I think that's a that's something we very much need right now in the world. Well, this is an opportunity for me to quote one of my favorite um, papers ever, one of the most influential papers on me. And this is a, a book written or a paper written by Alistair Coburn in the late 90s. And it was um, something along the lines of people considered a, f- a first order nonlinear component of software development. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's a very non-humanistic title, but it's humanistic messages. Software is made by people if you want to know how to make software well, you should study people. Yeah. <laughs> you you should look at what makes people function. And that's what I hear you saying is like, look, if you understand the way people work, then it doesn't, if, if, if and so I think that's, that's the answer, like why people with very different political backgrounds, if they all take it seriously to study what works for people, they converge on similar, we have convergent evolution coming to similar situations that have similar attributes, starting from very different places but they end up looking somewhat similar, a bit like, you know, how everything wants to evolve into a crab. You know, that, uh, <laughs> that's, that's the most it, frightening it, thing. <laughs> <laughs> we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, uh, 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 in one thing you're saying is like, this is the future of work because for every organization, the more seriously they take performance, the more seriously they look at what engages people engagement being one of the hot topics of the past decade in you know management literature then they're going to they're going to converge on the same answers mm-hmm. does that sound right to you absolutely yeah totally so then so then we're left with the people who are saying great you know <laughs> that's great for people who are there now that's great for people eventually what do i do for today what what can i do with this uh, insight and this belief how can i begin moving my organization, you know, either at the high level or at the small level, you know, my team, my department, 
you know, or everything. How can I start moving to sort of radical collaboration? Did you uncover some uh, common paths or some some ideas that some memes that would help? <laughs> yeah, there are, there are three primary ways organizations transform from a dominator hierarchy to a radically collaborative structure. Um, uh, the first. Uh, You'll find companies like, for instance, Bull.com, who have gone through a very bottom-up transformation strategy, right? Not one that was dictated from the top or even necessarily supported from the top, but nonetheless um, transformed the whole company. Um, the second is one in which you have participation from the bottom and the top. And if you, um, if you read my book, you'll find uh, some companies that went through that process, including Tim Group, right? At Tim Group, you had this guy named Jeff Frederick and Douglas Squirrel and their awesome team, right, um, uh, uh, technology department with, at Tim Group. And they went through a very sort of um, uh, powerful process because nothing about it was really dictated. It was very much, let's come together and learn and let's see what we think about it and what we want to do. And so you can read in the book that what they started with was a management study group. Now, if that term sounds like, oh, you're immediately excluding people who aren't managers, you're wrong, because as Jeffrey Frederick will tell you, management is too important to be left to managers, right? Management isn't synonymous with managers. They're two different concepts. Management is the ad administration of resources within a company, and you can do that in a very centralized, top-down control way. You can do that in a very decentralized, uh, devolved way, and everything in between, right? And so... They created a study group to see, like, how are companies out there in the world doing this now? Uh, and, and how does that differ from how we're doing it here? And they ended up uncovering a lot of stories that really resonated with people there. And then they began to take some small baby steps. They said, like, well, could we begin to devolve certain things within our organization? What's something easy we could do? Okay, time off. All right, let's start with time off. Who, who, who thinks that we could actually just self-manage time off instead of having it, you know, go up the chain and be approved somehow? Could teams just take over this responsibility themselves? And it turns out they could, and they could really run with it. You can also see how at Tim Group, they looked at their line manager role, which really uh, uh, took both like a team lead role and a people manager role and like sort of a product lead role. Like it, it merged a number of different responsibilities into a single person and then had everyone else on the team sort of reporting up into that person. They said, why do we have all that concentrated here? How could we devolve that? How could we share that responsibility? Because we're really talking about a things that everyone has a vested interest in, right? And so what are the ways we could go about um, uh, sharing and self-managing some of those tasks? You can read their story about how they did that too, uh, and on and on. I think, I think that's, that's, so that's the second type of um, transformation strategy that you can see in these companies. The third type, I'll just briefly mention, it's a very radical and abrupt uh, approach that you can see pioneered by, uh, for instance, K2K, which is a, a great consulting agency out there that's helping a number of companies do some very radical transformations. And it's it's like it's like everyone in the company votes, and if 80% of people want to move forward with a transformation, and if the top people like CEOs sign off and sign their name and say, if I stand in the way, I'm fired, you can fire me immediately. Like, that's Another approach that's actually happening in the world right now, um, you, you won't read a lot about it in my book, but there's tons of stuff out there you can read about it that is also actually proving to be working quite well. So, you know, the, there's not just one way to do it. And I, I think the message I want to get across is that anybody and everybody can start. No matter how draconian you think your organization is, you can start because radical collaboration begins with you. It begins with 
challenging your own ideas about what's possible in your relationships with the other people that you work with, and beginning to operate in a way that exudes a sense of a paradigm of partnership and equality with the people around you. One very simple way you can begin to practice radical collaboration is by adopting radically collaborative meeting techniques. You can construct meetings in such a way in which it's not some kind of status report to a manager, but actually a shared collaboration that begins with everyone starting at point A and everyone getting to point B. Uh, And you can use a number of very simple, uh, radically collaborative meeting techniques like silent generation, uh, dump and sort, affinity grouping, two-by-two analysis that actually allows everybody to, to participate as equals and to explore ideas collectively powerfully and actually in a, and arrive at some very innovative places. And any team out there can do that. You might step out of that meeting and be right back in your dominator hierarchy, but within the space of a meeting, you'll be amazed by how far you can go with it. And, and my experience is those things have a tendency to spread. <laughs> Absolutely. Because, because they're successful, uh, uh, people look around and say, well, this team is getting, this, is getting different results. Why is that? Uh, uh, and, and also the other thing I'll say is, uh, um, my experience is that when people have, have experienced these ways of working, they, they don't want to give them up. Yeah. So, so, so one thing I'll say is we, we've been talking here about Tim group and, and actually Tim group and really doesn't exist today, you know, through a series of acquisitions, but that the people within who had been part of Tim in, who are still in the same successor company. We had a discussion about it, and we said, "Look, we we're, we won't be in the same walled garden we we had before of this sort of you know what, this thing we built. But as we all go out and work in different areas of this larger company, we can all be gardeners. Mm-hmm. We we can all begin wherever we are to start introducing these ideas and uh, and look to make a change wherever we end up. And there's a lot of interest in that because once you've experienced this." Why would you want to go back to a way that's not as good, that's slower, that is less fun, that is less effective? Um, and and, and it's, it's worth saying, I think, for me, that the effectiveness and fun often go hand in hand. For a lot of people, it can be very frustrating to feel like the company isn't making the most use of their ability and talent. And to, to be in an organization where they're actually able to contribute according to the level of their abilities and that appetite to succeed is so exciting and so powerful. Why would you ever want to go back and, and just take your position of being told what to do and accepting the limitations of what other people have envisioned for you? Mm-hmm. Why, why would you want to do that? Yeah. Well, that sounds like a, a great place to uh, uh, bring, bring this to an end. Is that, is that right? Have I, we, I hope have so. Have we concluded? Have we told listeners exactly how they can make their enterprises radical? Well, just about one thing I'll say is, uh, Matt, you you mentioned a lot of things that people can do uh, for people who are inspired and want to learn more. Obviously, there's your book. Uh, There's also, we'll put a link to your site, um, mattkparker.com, in the show notes. And from there, you mentioned uh, some other resources in particular. I think for anyone who's curious, I think it'd be fair to say your your Slack community would be a good place for them to to go. What what kind of discussions and, and uh, uh, resources might people find on your on your site or in the in the Slack community of, of ideas they could apply. Yeah, so the Slack community is new. It's young. It's growing. And if you join, you'll find a smallish 
group of people who are actively inspired by these ideas, maybe practicing some of these ideas, sharing their stories of what's working and what's not, uh, and also there to support others that are either embarking on a new venture. We have a, um, uh, an entrepreneur in there who's starting a new company and trying to build it in a radically collaborative way. You know, so it's, it's a journey that we can all take together. Um, and no matter where we are on that journey within our respective organizations, we can be a community going on this journey together and supporting each other. Um, and that's what this Slack workspace is about. Fantastic. Okay, well, listeners can go there. If, uh, as I always say, if you're driving or something, uh, um, uh, wait till you've pulled over, but um, uh, have a look at the show notes, and, and you can go have a look at uh, all the exciting stuff Matt's just talked about. I can really see why Jeffrey said we, we have to get Matt on, because uh, so much of what he said is uh, so much in line with, with what we advocate for uh, being able to start with change yourself and to um, uh, uh, begin with uh, different interactions with others. So fantastic. Thank you, Matt. Uh, of course, if, if listeners want to disagree with any of that, we'd love to hear from you. We especially like when people argue with us. Uh, if you have questions about it, if you'd like to know our take, or if you just want to get in touch with us, you can do that at agileconversations.com. There's free videos there. There's our Twitter and email, probably Carrier Pigeon. I don't know what we've got there, but have a look, and you can find us pretty much any way you'd like. And, of course, we'll also be back next Wednesday with another episode of Troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. And thanks, Matt. Thanks, Girl. And thanks, Matt. Thank you.